follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. My name is Shad. I'm here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, are you prepared? I'm ready. I'm ready, Shad. Before we get into these topics tonight, I just have to say I am in awe of what I watched this weekend. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you have come to episode three. It is time for us... To continue the series where the mega powers implode. But before we get into that, there's a few little things we want to talk about. I'm sure you heard our social media plug already. But a couple of other things. Number one, uh, we are on Patreon. If you like what we do, maybe throw a little our way and it helps us get, you know, basically just take care of our subscriptions so we can pass them around. And maybe treats for the cats while we're at it. Um, Number two. I know when I see Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage, I would rather wear nothing but collar and elbow gear, collar and elbow the wrestling brand. It's comfortable. It's good gear. It's not expensive. And if you use the promo code for Corners Podcast, that's the number four, capital C in corner, capital P in podcast, and no spaces, you get 10% off of your order. And there's one other mega power for us to talk about before we get started. Isn't that right, Matt? That's right. That would be Epico Cologne. Uh, he's the true mega power of wrestling. Uh, sadly, he has not shown up yet on SmackDown. I don't think this year. But isn't Eric Bischoff taking over uh, yeah. duties? So maybe uh, Eric does like to put uh, Spanish people <laughs> on his undercard. So maybe maybe we'll see some Epico Cologne in the future. Maybe if the Colognes put the Conquistador <laughs> masks back on, he'll have them come on TV so they can lose the masks. Yes. <laughs> All right. So here we are. It's time for episode three of the Mega Powers. Is it implode or explode? How did they market it? Explode, I think. It's explode. I think WrestleMania was the Mega Powers Collide. Okay. But so in episode one, we covered. Hold on. Hold on. The mega powers explode. <laughs> the Macho Man. <laughs> Vince was always like my favorite hype man because he would just scream into the microphone. He yeah. definitely hyped. He definitely hyped. So um, it's it's the mega powers do combustible things and <laughs> and there there's a there's a few little fun asides uh, along the way. So last yeah, I think time there's a, there's a lot to there's a lot to pull out of the compartment for 
especially the breakup and the lead up, because I know uh, when I think back on WWF storytelling, especially in the 80s, there's not a lot of nuance. And I was watching this and I actually rewatched a lot of this because there is subtext like foreshadowing and there are just layers upon layers of 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 like storytelling going on here. It's crazy. It's, it's kind of shockingly, you know, it's, it's shockingly good storytelling from an era yeah. where a lot of people would consider the rock and wrestling to be, you know, the the McDonald's of wrestling, generally accessible, and it was fine, but not the high quality stuff. Because there's this, even there's even showed a, Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say there's even stuff like there's like non-verbal like cues and stuff like there's just things like Hogan and Savage do just with their facial expressions that were really just blowing me away. What were you gonna say, Matt? I uh, just that this when I I didn't see some of this stuff as a kid. Like, I didn't see some of the promos that we watched for this. Uh, I did remember a good deal of when the Savage turn and him fighting Hogan, and because I was really young. Um, again, like, by the time I started watching wrestling, this was kind of, like, three or four years after this. But I did see it on tape, so that's pr- partly why I didn't see all these promos. But I got enough from, like, video packages they would show that I kind of understood. But as a kid, it's like, oh, well, just Macho Man, he turned heel. He's a bad guy now, so yeah, I'm going to yeah. root against him. Watching it now as an adult, oh, man, I have such a different perspective. No kidding, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe Macho had a point. You know, there... <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. So the, the format we have... What were we going to say, Brad? Sorry uh, to cut you off. Oh. Uh, I said, um, yeah, we'll get to that. But I, I want to do a quick recap of the first two episodes before we get into this. Just Right. So the first episode we covered kind of Randy Savage losing the Intercontinental title and his feud with the Honky Tonk Man and his face turn up until he and Hogan kind of form the Mega Powers. And then the in episode two, we kind of go through Andre the Giant coming back to the WWF uh, Hogan losing the title, Savage winning the title, and then the feud with the Mega Bucks. Okay. <clears throat> this time, we're. This is going to kind of start off with the introduction of a new threat to the Mega Powers that um, the Master Slick gathers together, right? So, the very first thing, and Brad got such a kick out of this is we saw the metamorphosis of a uh, decently well-known figure into a new gimmick because I guess Vince wanting people in new gimmicks because then you get the, the royalties on it is older than maybe would have, would have thought at first blush. So the first time, because I came into wrestling a lot later, the first time I was introduced to the one-man game Gang becomes a Keem segment was on Wrestle Crap back in the day, and yep. I have to say this segment does not deserve to be Wrestle Crap because it is like quintessential '80s cheese, and it's brilliant. I think it was on Wrestle Crap more for the overall gimmick as opposed to, and it just had this as a piece of it. I was, you know, it, he pops up a lot of this. I was really digging the Akeem stuff. Like, there's. There's a certain joy he has in it, and the way he and Slick like play off of each other is really good. He had so much fun with this gimmick. 
Like he, you could tell. I mean, his like little dancing, his little dance moves. To me, it's first off, it's the easiest dance in the world. You just kind of like wildly like move your shoulders and arms. <laughs> uh, are we going to talk about the video where he he debuts? Yeah. So <laughs> because that is something to behold. So, so this segment is um, Slick has gotten me and Gene into some strange back alley, and of of the of like the the inner city, like late eighties. It looks like late '80s New York City, or yeah. is supposed to be. Which, yeah. if you don't know, I was a child. I only know this like kind of historically after the fact. But if you weren't aware, like New York City in like the late '80s, early '90s was a really like dangerous place. Like it, there, was it was rough. It was seedy. It was crime ridden. Uh, there was the son I, of Sam was like in the '70s. Like that was in the late '70s. But there was like I I believe even like in Times Square or close to Times Square they had like porno theaters. It was that's see Matt you have the appropriate uh, sound effects for that era <laughs> of New York City. Yeah, um, that, that's very kind of like how it was. Just as Dennis Leary put it mm-hmm. in New York City, you would impress anyone. You say. God say yeah, yeah. I served in Vietnam. I live in New York, and they go, "Wow, really?" And you play good block, bad block, good block, bad block, good block, bad block, bad block, porno block, porno block. That's not that much a joke. It's just the delivery. So, so, so then, um, so Slick's got this boombox, and they they're in a very seedy back alley, and Slick's playing some tunes, which happens to be the Jive Soul Bro Bro theme, which was great. <laughs> and so you know he goes on his spiel he changes the music over to like a more tribal thing and these random people in african garb more like dressed like kabbala show up and start dancing around this trash can that's on fire and there's a poof of flame <laughs> and akeem is um born and I, is he doing the the hand stuff like almost immediately he is almost immediately this is this video is tremendous one <laughs> it's it's so like blatantly like racist. Like I, I yeah. I'm sorry. Like it, it. This is a video that if they even tried to air something like this today, oh my god, the controversy! Like social media would blow up. Like they, the <laughs> WWE Vince Vince would be canceled, as they say. It's yeah. so ridiculous, and I don't know why. I know that he's becoming Akeem, the African Dream. But why is it that all of a sudden in the inner city, you have people running out in like African gear, like it's like the Lion King? I know, right? It, that, it's I was it, that's even more offensive to me. It's like I get that Vince played around with his gimmicks. Like, do people remember Saba Simba? Tony yeah, yeah. coming yeah. out in African yeah. garb, like that. I get that Vince was kind of this is like a, a a funny thing to him, but this it was just weird. <laughs> and I don't know what was happening. Well, I liked I liked though that he kept calling him the one man gang, and they would both get offended at it. And then, that's a pretty good way to do a gimmick change. Yeah, just, just yeah. reinforce. Don't call me that. And then um, so then they they kind of wander off because they have things to do, and they leave um me and Gene alone with these um. People, I guess you'd call them tribes people. And me and Gene's kind of like, so uh, what are you guys doing? And then he's like, and then they, uh, I guess they decided they were going to eat him or kill him. And me and Gene's like, well, I'm not going to hang around here later. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're missing out on uh, Slick's line 
of Atakim. Do you recall it, Brad? No. Oh, yes, yes, say it. I know which one you're going to say. I forget. I, God, I, I actually forget exactly. Because I think, okay. I feel so awful saying this. You, you, you make me think of what he said in a promo that was unrelated to this that I sent you guys just because it was so inappropriate. Yeah. Was it the well done versus? No, that was the that was the that was the um. That was the promo. Yeah. That okay. was oh that was the one I was actually referring to. Oh, I thought okay. it was. Yeah, that was. I, yeah, I thought that ha- like a uh, slick basically. Slick basically says that he's uh, Akeem is medium rare and he's well done. <laughs> and oh my I, gosh. I just like wow, <laughs> my wow. eyes. My eyebrows shot up at that. And it's like, I cannot believe. And I hope that was an ad lib. I hope that was an ad lib by Slick. The, the only thing I've seen that was worse than that. Wait, was, wait, uh, wait. Let's be honest for a second. No, no, don't worry about it, pal. This is so you. It's good oh, shit. God, it's such good shit. Yes. You gotta say it. The, the only thing I've seen worse than that, like, as far as being horribly racist was... Jimmy Hart trying to sign Kamala in Memphis and offering him watermelon and white women. Oh, God. Wait, 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 wait. No, um, go back to the... I can't remember who it was that was part of the stud stable. Oh, no. That, Brickhouse, that, Brickhouse Brown. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, but that yeah, was... Yeah, they totally did that. But that was, that was to service a face turn? Yeah, and we talked about it on the show. It actually was effective because uh. they did that to him. And he immediately got pissed off, and it it wasn't played like on like they were trying to pass it off like oh no no it's fine that he doesn't like watermelon but he's like man and it, but he they were presented as bad guys because they did that it was like this is clearly racist. Well, I think that was yeah. I think that was an Alabama territory, so I'm guessing mm-hmm. it was like a primarily black audience. So I think there was some really brilliant probably subtext for their audience in there. Oh god, it's like the gangsters in Smoky Mountain. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man! But so you know, Brad. Brad has you've brought it up. Like you kind of want to do reviews of like Smoky Mountain, right? Yep. One yeah, of I'm my, down for that. One of my favorite. One of my favorite um, territories, because there's a so there's um there's the dirty. I'll go over one of my favorite segments from there. So Dutch Mantel would do interviews. So he goes to interview the dirty white boy at his um, living accommodations for his segment one time. And so he goes to this junkyard and the dirty white boy lives in an abandoned school bus. Like it was just, it was just great. And and it also has, um, it also has early James Mitchell and he calls yeah. the dirty white girl that parking lot filatrix. I remember you mentioned that before. And uh, there's some great there's some great lines from New Jack in there. Um, I think there's one where he said, uh, "I want to give a shout out to OJ, like one less to worry about." Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember hearing about that one. That's uh... there's a great shoot, there's a great shoot interview with him and Jim Cornette talking about that stuff, and he's just like. He's like, I would get in trouble for all this stuff, and he's the one that would like tell me to do that. And Jim Cornette's just over there giggling about it. Yeah, you told me to say it. He's like, but you said it. There's there's also a great story from there about um, when Tracy Smothers, and this is probably from the show we're gonna do, 
where Tracy Smothers and the dirty white boy were going to have a chain match for the Smoky Mountain title. And Tracy Smothers is at a at the gimmick table before the show, and some Klansman comes up to him and tells him if he doesn't get the job done tonight, they will. Yeah. So yeah, th- it's an interesting we, area. We get to that one. I got a I got a story I'll share in that, but we we'll get to that later. Um, for now, uh, then we had Akeem's in in ring debut. Yeah, this was pretty mm-hmm. quick. I just thought it was interesting <laughs> because it was there. I, I did notice he did not have the Africa graphic on his back. Okay. Yeah. His, I don't recall him using this finisher again, but he is, his finisher was like a front dropping suplex. He was doing that as one man gang. I think it actually looked really good. I was kind of sad he didn't do it again. Yeah, it looked good. But when you're, when you're that big, just do the 757 yeah. splash. Uh, I I was kind of astounded by this because I believe I heard <laughs> Vince McMahon accurately call what Akeem was wearing a daishiki. Yes, I heard that And too. I was a little surprised that Vince even had that word in his vocabulary. I was surprised I by that too. cannot say as I blame you for being surprised at that. And uh, let me see. I'm, I've pulled the thing up right now. Yeah, gang use your uh, Akeem, sorry. Yeah, he uses that uh, gourd buster for the finish, which has always struck me as kind of a weird move. Like, I know what you were going for with it, but on the other hand, it's kind of like, ah. But as as the other guys will attest, I'm I'm picky on finishers, so I'm weird about it. It was. Yeah, it totally was. I actually worked with a guy that used a gourd buster as a finish for a while, so... You know what I miss? And no one does it anymore. And Arn Anderson used to do it. And I thought the move was awesome. Where they would, where he would take their arm and then body slam them on their arm. Oh, the hammerlock uh, body slam? Yes, yep. that is the best. Yes, I love that. He would do, Arn would do that all the time. And it was amazing because it, if... It, it looked like it not, hurt. Oh, it looked like it hurt like hell. Like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing was like a better example of you're working over the arm than doing that when i would um when i would like play wrestling with my toys and everything i if i was gonna have the match like the, the one of the guys is gonna work over the other guy's arm i would use that i would have him do the, <laughs> the yeah like suplex uh body slam sorry or like the when um when they would like lay the arm out like one of them would come off the top rope with that knee right onto the arm oh that Oli and arn were great as a tag team oh yeah so, um, yeah, and then the, this was followed up in our format with um, I, the attack. Go ahead, Brad. I was going to say, I added this late so you guys might have missed this because I didn't realize that this was out there until I was watching stuff. It was the attack of the big boss man on Hulk Hogan. And I think something that kind of gets lost for some people is the sheer size of Big Boss Man in comparison with the other people around him. Like, we saw Boss Man come back in the early 2000s, and you put him around, like, all the other people in the corporation or around the people in the ministry. And you're like, oh, you know, Boss Man, you know, he's, he's decently big, kind of middle of the road. But then you don't realize just how big Boss Man was until you stack him up in there, like, against Hogan 
well, and savage and stuff. And he was a lot bigger now because when you get to like ninety one, he's probably dropped a good fifty pounds from this this yeah. point in his career. And he was still so he was so agile at this point. He moved around so easily. It was really. I think the original story that that kind of got him started as Big Bubba Rogers is that he took a slingshot suplex from uh, Tully. Tully Blanchard, yeah. So, yeah, cause he, you know, the fact that he's that big and being able to get up and move that well is really impressive. Because if you go back and watch um, 86 Crockett, when he's just doing job duty as Ray Trailer, they were mm-hmm. letting him do some competitive stuff with, like, Ivan Koloff, and you knew they were getting ready to push him. Yeah. So, um, Boss Man comes out with the nightstick. I mean, that's, your, that's a great gimmick, too. You know, the, this... The Boss this, Man. This was very uncharacteristic for the WWF. I really felt like this felt like an NWA style beatdown because there was a level of violence to this that felt a little out of place for WWF. Well, let's consider who's doing it. It's 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 boss. It's Ray Trailer, who came from the NWA doing the beatdown. Yeah. But this, so this was great. So he pretty much he handcuffs Hogan to a guardrail, and then just beats the piss out of him with the nightstick. Yeah. And then Hogan, like, starts chasing him, still handcuffed to the guardrail, which was pretty funny. Him, like, awkwardly, like, exiting the brother love set, still attached to the guardrail. <laughs> it was the most absurd thing. Like, it kind of ruined it. But, like, I love the beatdown. The beatdown was great. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you get to catch that, Matt? What's that? The, the, the boss, boss attack. Man. Yeah. No, I didn't. I watched the stuff before Brad added that one. Okay. I although uh, I do feel in some of the later um, interviews or promos that we saw, it was referenced by Hogan. That's how I figured out that it was out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Looking for it. <laughs> and um, the other thing about it is, uh, Boss Man. I mean, I know, I know where where we'll get. It. We'd have an opportunity later, but consider. Boss Man cuts just a heck of a promo too. He does he does a, a, a really good promo. So Boss Man is anyway. a very underappreciated worker. Like I think I think when we get further into this, we should do a Boss Man episode and watch some of the Vader matches in his uh, match with Kenna Kabashi. I think part of where we lose uh, Ray, we lose some steam on Ray Trailer. Is he goes back to the NWA in a pseudo boss man gimmick they keep having to change the name of, and everyone kind of has a hard time either taking it seriously or keeping up. Incidentally, I'd like to put us out there. I know that this was the point. I know you were supposed to hate him, but God, did anyone else want to strangle Bruce Pritchard? <laughs> I said this on the last one. I don't. He has go away heat with me as brother love. Yeah. This, yeah. I'm sorry. Pretty much. Are you talking about Brother Love? Yeah. Oh, God. Brother Sadwell. (laughs) Brother Bradley. It's the fact that he I never love you. You're not doing it right. It's like, I love you. I wish that, like, doing that in the intro, I get, but the fact that he just kind of keeps 
He gotta, keeps like, that speaking style the entire time. You gotta, you gotta grab him. like, you gotta grab one of your testicles and give it a squeeze while you're doing it to get the sound right. So that means that Bruce Pritchard had to, you know, zip his nuts into his fly in order to get the voice down. He really was like the most hateable of these. Oh, uh, well, I mean, he was, um, he was supposed supposed to be like Jerry Falwell or, um, um. And no, he was supposed to be like uh, I don't remember his name. The one that was with Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye, yeah. I, golly, Baker, Baker, Baker. What was his? Uh, the 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 hypocrite televangelist. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I only I don't, remember. Her. I don't recall what happened at at, at the hotel. It's like, yeah. Come on. I man. think he was supposed to be that guy. Play, yeah. He was supposed to be a mockery of televangelism. Because I think I think Pritchard's talked about this before and said he got the gimmick watching those on TV or he came up with the idea. Yeah. But I think he's like, isn't Pritchard like absurdly young for this era? Yeah. Too? Yeah. He, yeah. He was, was in his in like mid twenties. Yeah. He was in his twenties. I think. You know, what's crazy thinking about these guys that are like in these prominent roles in this era on TV and they're only in their twenties because with developmental and everything now, like you had well, their roster is old. Just how, good these guys were at that age is really impressive. Incidentally, I just played back on my screen the um, boss man beatdown with the nightstick. Dude was laying it in. So. I mean, that's one thing with Hogan, though, that he does not get enough credit for, is he was not afraid to work snug with anyone. Yeah, well, he wasn't He wasn't afraid to take the shots. Yeah. And it's not like... Um, <laughs> it's not like we're dealing with Jerry Lawler. So uh, there was the the story that uh, no, not Jerry Lawler, Austin Idol. Yeah, when when Lawler Austin Idol were, were in Memphis and Lawler's working with Ventura and and Idol's having to work with Stan Hansen. <laughs> and the story was that you could just see Idol shudder on the way to the ring looking at Stan Hansen. Okay. I was about to say, that doesn't sound like Lawler, because I think Lawler was fine getting it. Yeah, no, it was, it was idle. That's, you, you, you rememorized me properly. Um, So then we, um, oops. Um, So then now we're heading into the 1988 Survivor Series. So we got a couple of Survivor Series reports. The, um, so the teams here are the Mega Powers, which is Hogan and Savage, co-captaining a team with Hercules, Hillbilly Jim, and Coco Beware. And then they're going against a team co-captained by Akeem and Big Boss Man with Haku, Ted DiBiase, and the Red Rooster. This is I still really, feel bad for Terry Taylor. It's a really I, odd pairing. Yeah. So Hercules had turned face at some point, I think after... SummerSlam because Ted DiBiase bought his contract and wanted him to be like a Virgil-esque slave, and that did not go over well. Yeah. So these promos uh-huh. kind of say the same-ish thing as each other. I like the um, the heel the heel one on that Survivor Series report. I thought was really good though. Yeah, I agree with that. Um. They've just got a lot of guys on that team that can cut a good promo, you know? Yeah. So, let's see. 
That moved us on... To the actual Survivor Series match. Right. Which, I thought this was really good. I did notice one thing, though, for those people... We're going to get into the modern product for a second here. Those people that talk about how Baron Corbin is over because people boo him, you should look at how people react to the big boss fan in this match and how they popped every time someone hit him. Yeah. Like, that's being as a, over as a heel. Yeah. The there, thing there, about... There, sorry to cut you off, Shad. There's a difference sorry. between, like, someone wanting the, wanting the baby face to get the heels to have his comeuppance versus people just wanting the heel to go away, which is what Baron Corbin has. He has, yeah. he kind of has X-Pac, just please go away. Yeah. I think we're, we're, there's, there's discussion about changing that term to Corbin heat now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, when I was working, my philosophy on it was this, a heel People are supposed to hate you so much that they want to see you get punched in the face. Therefore, if you get punched in the face and it's quiet, you're not a good heel. If you get punched in the face and people are happy about it, you're a good heel. Meltzer actually talked about this with with Corbin after Stomping Grounds, which was pretty much, if you're in a an arena that's only a third full and they're making noise like you failed, you would rather be in an arena that's packed to the gills and they're not making a lot of noise because at least they paid the t- the money to go. Well, and if they're being quiet, they're probably paying attention too. Yeah. If you hear a lot of chatter, uh, as I've heard it put before, that's people going, you think they got any nachos left? <laughs> that's what chatter, chatter, chatter. That's that. Ever since I heard that line, that's what that translates into in my head. Yeah. So what I what, one of the, my favorite parts of this match is when they got it to the four on two and Hercules is kind of distracting Ted DiBiase and Randy Savage just runs over and like rolls him up real quick. <laughs> quick eliminations in the Survivor Series can be a lot of fun. I, I've enjoyed them like... Um, that one year, that one year with the infamous um, Dolph Ziggler Survivor Series match, which should have turned into something big but didn't. The opening on the match, everybody's squaring up, and then just Big Show just pops Mark Henry in the face, and down he goes. I always I get a kick out of that. Yeah, that that was good. So Matt, as the the connoisseur of the Survivor Series format, what did you think of this? Um. I did like this match. Uh, I have liked other Survivor Series matches better, but uh, I did think this was a fun match. It, it, it's a really random team. Like I didn't like the kind of randomness of it all. Like mm-hmm. I mean, Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, and Hercules were almost like jobbers at this point. But and Red Rooster, of course. But yeah, uh, I did. I, I thought the match was fun. I thought they did a good job of like interspersing a lot of different storylines into this. Mm-hmm. I will say that this Survivor Series has one of my all-time favorite Survivor Series matches, and that's like the uh, I think it's like a, a ten ta- ten tag team match. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that one. 
Remember that one? That one went Zimbo and the Men almost an hour. Yeah. And it had the, the demolition babyface turn. Like, that's a great match. It had oh, the Conquistadors yeah. in it, didn't it? Yes, the Conquistadores. <laughs> Who I think actually were like last till almost the end, if I recall that correctly. I haven't seen that in a long time. I should watch that after this. Yeah. I just, uh, I'll be honest, I don't remember. Don't remember. But it's a it, great it, match. Yeah. Okay. So this got a little nutty at the end with, because they, I mean, what good were the referees? They couldn't even get Boss Van and Akeem to leave. But this, right. this kind of has, this has the first bit of foreshadowing, and I don't, they did, they really did it smartly where Hogan gets handcuffed to the ring ropes, and Savage kind of goes for that tag, and Hogan isn't there, which I think yeah. is like that first bit of dissension in the ranks. Like they don't. It doesn't seem to have any effects at this point, but I definitely noticed that that happened and they made sure to have him go for the tag like that. Mm hmm. Well, knowing what we know about uh, Savage, he liked to lay stuff out ahead of time. So there's no way that in a moment like this, um, that was not planned. Like, that's that's. That's very much a, um, you know, Savage totally would have planned that out. Yeah, and I think this also has another important factor. Is this where Hogan lifts Miss Elizabeth on his shoulders? Is it? I remember it from the clip they show later, but I don't remember if it was Yeah, I'm trying here. to remember. Because we'll, we'll get into that later, but this might have been... Yeah, that. actually, I think it was, because I think I recall after seeing that, I was like, you know, he's being really handsy with Liz. Yeah. And it, it, like, struck me. And again, this is, like, the the benefit of watching this as an adult. Like, I wouldn't have even thought anything about that as a kid, because it's like, you're a kid. Like, you're not thinking about anything sexual. Yeah. So you're not like, whoa, like, that's not your girl, Hogan. Yeah. But, yeah, it, yeah it, it's it's good fodder. Yeah, it is. It's, it's coming along. So then we get a quick recap to end 1988. This this doesn't have anything new or interesting to it, really. It's just yeah. kind of there. So then uh, I, I couldn't find a segment on this, but I had read that at some point Hogan officially announces Miss Elizabeth as his manager to start 89 off with. But like I said, I could not find any segment on this. I just read it, so... Up next, we have the Royal Rumble, and this is where shit kind of gets real. So Hogan wins the Royal Rumble by knocking... I don't know who the other guy was, but he was trying to get Savage out, and Hogan kind of just dumps both of them. Yeah. And um, Savage is... It, I think, it looked like it was, what, like Bad News Allen or something I like that, it, trying to put him right. over? Now that you say that, I think you're right. Okay. So Savage immediately gets mad at him. And I have to say, there's some things where people side with Savage, I don't agree with, but here I think Hogan was totally in the wrong. Yeah. Well, cause Hogan was, did he just eliminate someone or was he being distracted? If you can refresh my memory, so he, he claims he was distracted. He, right. He eliminated someone else. And I think what his defense would be that he just saw bad news. Allen and didn't realize Savage was under him. Which yeah. okay, I think but is a, here's the problem. I think that's a viable reason, but I think Hogan should have had more ring awareness. 
there's no way you turn around and you're in a Royal Rumble match. There's four sets of legs over there. One set of legs is wearing yellow boots with orange knee pads, and you don't go, hey, I wonder who he's trying to throw out. He just ran over there and flipped both of them. Yeah. So it's like, come on, dude. Let's 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 be honest for a second. Well, so where I think I think where where Hogan's wrong is he should have just straight up apologized, and I think he could have just said, you know, I got carried away. You know, I'm sorry I did that. But I also think Savage was being a really poor sport because someone was going to have to eliminate someone at some point. Yeah. And I think Savage was being unreasonable about about it too. But I think Hogan, I think Hogan, you could tell was wrong because he immediately gets defensive about it. Oh, I, I wrote down in my notes that part of my language, he immediately turned to a little bitch. He was like, Oh no, no, bro. No brother. Come on. Like, yeah. Like he, and like, come on, dude, you know what you did. Yeah. 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 He got so defensive. It's like, ah, you pulled a bitch move. You know it. Yeah. And, and I think this is this is part of where this this storyline is so brilliant. Like this this mm-hmm. event here, like the way Hogan reacts, because I think he does it intentionally. Yeah. Well, he does this, and there's not really a good defense to it. Like we said, it's pretty obvious what's going on. And then the other side is, look, if that was going to happen, and Hogan was like, look, sorry, someone had to win. And I'm sorry it had to be me doing that to you. That's one thing. There's there's no way to play it off, but Hogan immediately chumps out, like you said, Matt. He's just like, Oh, I'm 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 sorry, brother. I didn't I didn't realize it can be no, I'm sorry. And, and and Savage is just you know, riding his doing that finger point where he's flexing his bicep the whole time, you know. You know what this you know what his Hogan's reaction reminded me of? Is when like back in the day if you're you know, you playing Quake with your friends or something on a lamb and you and someone were working together to wipe out some other players and they backstab you and you call them out on it. This is like their, that this is like what their reaction would be if they're not willing to own, like being a little bitch. <laughs> Cause they've got the rocket launcher and they see someone coming and they're just like, ah, I'll just blast them both. Yep. And then when you're like, what the, and then when you're like, what the hell man, this is exactly like what they would do. Sorry, dude. Didn't mean to. Didn't realize that you know you were in the blast zone or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I may have to admit to having done that a time or two. I mean, shit happens, but sometimes you just gotta be like, eh. What are you gonna do? <laughs> so, um, that was the rumble. That was our first. Cracks in the armor, yeah. I think this is. Um, I and I want to. I'm gonna. We'll probably circle back to it, but I feel like, I feel like a lot of Savage's issues all stem from this, and a lot of the things he says is just justifying being a sore loser over the Royal Rumble. It this uh, this gets the ball rolling downhill. Because you can tell, so, like, and they do a good job of setting this up in future things, but you can tell he can never let it go. Right. There's always just just that little bit, yeah. Um, that feeds us into what Savage versus Akeem on Superstars, right? Yeah, and this is a rarity. This is a WWF title match on Superstars, which I don't think happened often. Like maybe once a year, if that. Oh, really? This was the title match. I believe so. Oh, I didn't even get that. I, hmm. 
I think whenever I started it, it didn't, um, it didn't, I, I didn't catch that at the beginning either, but that's okay. It, it's, yeah, that's what, that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is, this is a standard TV match, but so big boss man gets involved. They're beaten down on Savage. Hogan comes out for the win. And now we get like some, we get some really good stuff. So boss man leaves his stick in the ring and Hogan's kind of doing like the Hogan posing and Savage has the stick and a couple times he almost just hits Hogan with it. But Miss, Miss Elizabeth finally like kind of gets his attention and gets him to like let go of it. And then Hogan kind of calms him down and like gets him to like pose and stuff with the crowd. But yeah. This was, this was a fascinating segment. Yeah, just to have this was the tease that everyone was looking for with uh, like like for a a, a recent comparison the Ambrose Rollins who's going to turn on who tease. There's kind of this this was a little more overt, but you had this tease going right. And this was this was this was such a Randy Savage thing, just him being like this caged animal like about to strike. Yeah. Well, that's, I think if the story holds up, that's how the name came up is the way Savage moved around. It's like, man, you're like a savage animal the way you move around out there. Yeah. I believe that's, that's what, how he got his name. I don't remember who said that though. I used to know. (sighs) Now I've got to go look. So Matt, what did you, pardon me a second. What'd you think of this, Matt? I actually liked this a lot. I thought it was a really good, like, uh, big man little man match what um, was i wrong that the crowd was like really hot for it or or am i mishearing like the crowd noise it's hard to tell because they sweetened the sound on um superstars and wrestling challenge Mm, okay because i wasn't sure i I didn't know if that was something that was going on it's hard to tell like they were hot for it though it's hard to tell and it's not it's old footage so it's hard to see the crowd but it um I watched a J.J. Dillon shoot, and he talked about that, that they sweetened the sound on a lot of that stuff. I think they were pretty hot for it, though, because, I mean, this would have been a big match at the time. So, just to interject, I'm sorry. The name came from Terry Stevens and Ole Anderson. Okay. They're the ones that said that to Savage. So, sorry. Please, Please go on. So what did you think about the post-match other than the big man, little man match stuff? Oh, I mean, well, I think it did a good job of setting up the tag match that we we're going to get uh, shortly after this. But it's uh, more uh, Hogan grandstanding. Comes in there, <laughs> uh, saves the day. Then, of mm-hmm. course, it's, it's down with the posing. Mm-hmm. And who gets pushed to the side? Macho Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not gonna do the voice yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. So then we had a up next. We had a little Twin Towers promo. I think this was on Superstars. The this the music was Superstars. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was it was Superstars. Uh, I unfortunately don't remember what they said. I think they were just hyping their tag match for the main event. Okay. So then up next we have from I I think this is from the same show, the Mega Powers on the Brother Love Show, and um. He calls them out for how he does not see any love there. And Hogan kind of stepped at it 
on this segment pretty bad, and you could tell <laughs> Ain't by that the truth. You could kind of tell by Savage's expression, like this, like there's a really like a look he gets on his face. He kind of gets in yeah. Hogan's face when he says it, doesn't he? Um, he's he's pretty wound up, but I don't think he's quite into Hogan's face yet. So he pretty much says like he loves um Miss he... Elizabeth just as much as the <laughs> oh, yeah. Macho Man. Let me tell you something, brother. I love Miss Elizabeth too, dude. I love her just as much as the Macho Man, brother. And it's like, uh, what? Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then, oh, but 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 I love her like a sister, bro, brother. Yeah. That's that Th- high that's school, what I mean, like, dude. I accidentally admitted that I like my best friend's girl, but I got a cover for it, kind of thing. Yeah. See, and you're like, um, I have to think. Do you think like Hogan's just been angling this whole time for like some kind of wife swapping scenario? <laughs> I mean, it kind of seems that way. Uh, it's 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 definitely weird um, for us to to get to that point, you know. Here's what I need you to do, brother. I need you. I need you to. I need you to have sex with Linda, and I'm gonna hide in the closet and jerk off. <laughs> Hulkamania is gonna run wild on you, brother. God, <laughs> I can't even. Oh, well, you know me, Gene. Sometimes Hogan's a little bit of a cuck. God. Oh, I didn't expect us to go that path. Um, I The problem is, is like, I think of, um, when you think of Hogan, like, there's always Eric Bischoff crawling around, and Bischoff was, uh, I think, into that at one point. Okay. I don't know, man. I'm I, not going to. I'm just going to move us on to the next section there. I think there was a Mega Powers promo, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just trying to trying to keep the wheels turning. Trying to veer us out of the gutter is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Trying, trying here. So this is just setting up the tag match. I don't think anything significant happened in this one. Um... I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. But um, so then we get to the main event. I could not find a full version of this match and it really pissed me off. Uh, OK, because we've got the highlights. From right. It, right? I, I tried to find this on yeah. the network and they didn't put the these aren't on the network for some reason. Yeah, okay. I didn't see them on there. And I looked for these and I, I should have gone to Daily Motion because that's where I found the Akeem thing. But I was shocked this was not on the network because this is a, like a very important match. You would have figured that this would have been in like a collection, right? Yeah. Like they, they would have had all of this on the network already pre-sorted. No, they have stuff a, with like Savage turning on him, but they never put the full match out there. Yeah. Which is weird. I should have seen if I could have found a, a torrent of it. But so I guess the big moment is Savage gets chucked out of the ring and he lands on miss elizabeth and when you say lands on miss elizabeth that was that was one heck of a bump oh yeah she she took she took i mean that was a pretty risky dive onto her yeah well i i I can't help but think savage might have gotten a little over rotated because he didn't land like, if he had gone through and landed on his hands and knees and then rolled off, it would have been like, okay, okay, I got that. But that's not what happened. 
he kind of over rotated and landed on his side. Yeah, so my my um my recollection of this was always his was wrong actually. Like I always thought Hogan just checked on Liz and then took her to the back, but he actually in fairness to him as we go on to there, he was checking on both of them until it was obvious that Savage was okay and Liz was not. Right. And then he he dealt with her. But like then it got weird. Yeah, then it then it gets a little a little weird. Uh yeah. I think there might have you say you say he checked on her. To me it was just jealous Hogan with his lustful <laughs> eyes. I think he might have I think he's it, basically back there like praying. He's like, "Come on, oh my god, Elizabeth, you got to be okay." I think it's like <laughs> I think even before that I think uh, I think he might have motor give given her the motorboat before the cameras were on. <laughs> well, like okay, so he's he's supposed to, uh, at ringside before he he takes her to the back. He's supposed to be um like checking on her vitals, I guess. But the problem is he's like crawling all over. Well. Savage was weird here though, because like, wasn't Savage like blaming him for like knocking her out? Yeah, and I was like, he I was like, lighter. dumbass, didn't you like feel her like under you when you went flying? Like, why are you blaming him? Yeah, that part doesn't fit. But to look over and see Hogan doing that, you're like, uh, you know what? I think I'd be pretty pissed about someone doing that with my wife. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was okay until he went to the back with her. If he just would have taken her to the stretcher and then gone back to the match, I think he would have been okay. Like, going to the back was weird. Yeah, to, well, and he oversold it so much. Like, Hogan's in the back with Elizabeth, and he's screaming at the medics about her being okay. It's like an after-school special, right? Yeah. It's like the, it's like you've got this kid who was on the playground that some other kids found some beer and cigarettes in the trash, and he took a sip and he took a puff and he collapsed on the playground and they had to rush him to the ER. That's like, and in the ER, everybody's freaking out. That's like Hogan, what he's doing with in the back. You know what it's like? It's like he watched Brian's song and Billy D's performance <laughs> at the end to like to um to get the right acting for this. Man, Brian's song. I haven't thought of that in years okay yeah i pulled that one Man. way out of my yeah that, that's that's a pull um i mean i was kind of making a joking reference by stealing a line from sean baby's review of mr t's be somebody or be somebody's fool but you went way beyond yes i try <laughs> so then so hogan goes wait wait matt matt do you got any more you want to throw in here or we stick into lust in the eyes. Lust in the eyes. Like I, I still think Hogan was wrong. As an adult, I feel Hogan was dead wrong. Okay. And I loved, I loved Savage reaction. Like I love when he slapped him. I thought the slap was deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all the, the aftermath shenanigans. You know what drove me nuts is they never showed who won this match. Afterwards. Like all the even like the recap like did not show the winner. I was like, God damn it! I thought it did. I thought it. I thought because like Savage was holding his own out there whenever Hogan got back, and then Savage walked off and left him. And I thought I thought Hogan picked up the win out of it. I'm sure he did, but it, it, it the mania the mania recap might have shown who won, but I don't remember. Mm, fair enough. 
So then we go back to Hogan comes back to the dressing room with Savage, and then this is where shit gets real. Yeah. Oh, yes, it does. And this is where keeping it real goes wrong for Hogan. Because, <laughs> like, Savage is in his face yelling at him, and they're going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Savage Savage lives up to his name and comes uncorked. Yeah, so he pretty much blindsides him and then pretty much just starts beating him up until Miss Elizabeth, I think, gets hit. No, uh, Brutus Beefcake ran in. Okay. I thought he yeah. came later, but so... I, I, I don't... No, I, mm, I think Elizabeth was, was yelling at Savage, yeah. but I think Beefcake got in the way first. Which is also... This is also like something that I found interesting considering where storylines go is it was a it was a very subtle bit of foreshadowing to interject Brutus Beefcake in here considering he'll mm-hmm. be involved with the program in the future. Yeah. Well, I mean Beefcake was always kind of tied to Hogan anyway. And then you had um Someone else showed up, and I can't remember who it was. It was a referee, I think. I thought there was another worker that showed up. Maybe I, I, I uh, you have to forgive me. I watched. I've watched a lot I of this sh- stuff. I, sh- I should have taken some notes. Yeah. So, anyway, um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought Brutus was always kind of around Hogan anyway. Not not really up to a certain <laughs> point. Okay. Um. So. Matt, what do you what do you think of this? Considering you're very pro Savage in this, I thought Savage had a great point with Hogan and his lustful eyes, and how Hogan <laughs> never asked for a title shot. Because you know what, you know you can't beat me, Hogan. Oh, Hogan! I thought that was amazing. It, it was great. I really that was. I actually thought that was great because it was um, it really made Savage seem like a nutball. Because Hogan probably didn't ask for a title shot because they were friends, and Savage immediately goes to, yeah. oh, you never asked me for a title shot. That's probably because you're scared of me. Uh, the one thing I didn't like was that Savage, when when Liz was trying to protect Hogan, Savage was like, I'll, I'll splat you in front of, on top of him. Like, and then he chucked her. Like, he grabbed her by the arm to get her off Hogan. And through her. I mean, she flies off camera. Which it's like, that's that's really a heel act. Yeah, Uh, we're we're getting a little crazy. Yeah, but then he starts beating on Hogan, and that's when kind of Brute-Eye comes and uh, (laughs) tries to help out. Brother Brute-Eye. Brutus the Barber Booty Man comes in. The Booty Man, uh, the man with no face, the Zodiac. The Zodiac. The Disciple. disciple. Yes, no. Yes, no. The man anyway. that was fucked by the warrior until he loved him. <laughs> That's, you know, that that goes back earlier, the, Matt, the way you did Macho's voice. It, Hulk Hogan does kind of sound like how, how, because how Warrior would say is, tear down the cockpit door, Hulk Hogan. So, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, so... Now Hogan's first name, his gimmick first name in my mind is forever spelled H O A K. It's Hulk Hogan, 
And he could have avoided paying royalties to Marvel Comics for years. <laughs> so then we, we come out of this and we get into someone put together some compilations of like Savage promos heading into WrestleMania 5. And they I've never seen this. I don't think ever. He did a bunch of these promos and Hogan did one later where they he intersperses. It's almost like Savage sat in a production truck for like three weeks to put this together where he he does this promo talking about his problems with Hogan and then they do these like tightly cut some of them actually like really out of context yeah clips to like show his problems with Hogan and it was I thought these were brilliant like absolutely just off the charts brilliant they were absolutely amazing I had never seen this before cuz again I watched I watched like the turn on Coliseum home video after the fact, which did not include all these promos. Yeah. And dare I say it, as the term goes, these red-pilled me to being 100% behind Randy Savage. Where he brought up, he, he brought up all the different points where Hogan was, at least in Savage's mind, lusting after Elizabeth. Yeah. When he starts going into the fact that in, in Survivor Series 1998, when Liz like took off her like bottom and it's just like she's in her underwear to distract uh andre and DiBiase. yeah and he's like oh gogan that was your idea i'm like oh my god well he what? played the promo yeah. where hogan like talked about it yeah we get a secret weapon brother and i'm like oh my god it's like they did so much with this and I don't even know, like, if I had seen this back in the day, and obviously I was, like, old enough to really understand what was going on, I don't think I would have been like, oh, yeah, Hogan's the good guy here. I would have been like, no. Like, Savage had a point. This guy was perving on his girlfriend slash wife. Well, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't established they were, they, they weren't married <laughs> in kayfabe at that point. That came, uh, that yeah. came later. But I was like, Wow. This is incredible. And he's referencing, because this is probably March when he's doing this stuff, and he's referencing stuff from, like, July to March. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's pulling, like, they're pulling, like, little... Some of the stuff that he's pulling are, like, little sentences in, like, some Superstars promo from five months ago. Yeah. And he he even breaks down the match with the Twin Towers, where he turned. And he's like, this is what I did. Like, I was trying to be helped out. Like, I didn't mean to hurt Elizabeth. I couldn't stop my momentum. Like, so I ran right into her, but I didn't want to. And then I couldn't even, like, get a chance to check on her because I was pulled back into the ring and I was being double teamed by the Twin Towers. And you didn't help me out. You just went in the back with Elizabeth because you're in love with her. And then I still handle it. I had, like, the upper hand by the time you came crawling back because <laughs> you were trying to hot dog and grandstand Hogan. <laughs> the fact that he kept going, oh, you were trying to hot dog. <laughs> I'm like, he makes perfect sense. He does. Wrong. Savage makes an excellent case. Well, and and it really helps. Like that. What what's really brilliant too is like I said, some of those clips are highly out of context. So, but it's it's the perfect. Whether you think he's right or wrong, it is the perfect like heel promo because whether you agree or disagree with him, like his conviction for this is just off the charts and perfect. Like he is one hundred percent convinced that like this is what happened. 
this is some seriously intense promo work from Savage. Like, he is, you know, this is one of those things where you look at it and you're like, man, you're going to bust a vessel. you got to stop and breathe for a second. But he, he's so, you know, he's so bought in and he's so intense about it. And you, you, you sit there and you're like, dude, you got a point. So... This was this yeah. this these were off the charts. Like this was, I if I had to go back and think about it because I've never seen this like with so much context. Like this might actually be the best angle of the '80s that I've ever seen. Uh, maybe for the WWE or WWF as it was back then. But this is just like there's just so much like going on here. Like I don't know who booked this, but whoever did this is just brilliant it was multi-layered mm-hmm. and i i'm really glad we have broken this entire thing down over the course of the last like three uh, basically into three episodes because seeing the whole progression it is really stunning like they laid the groundwork for everything not just not necessarily that they were knowing that they were going to go this way with hogan versus savage but just how everything kind of progressed to that point is pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm in this, uh, and I want to encourage you all at home, at home, yeah, uh, encourage you all listening to, no kidding, like, dig some of this stuff out. Um, find some of this because, seriously, the amount, like, even just the Savage promos, the amount that goes into those are there's just so much detail in the story building it's we can tell you all this and you know we're giving you the heads up but it's really impressive to see the build there was a part of me that for a while wondered you know was this planned from the beginning or was this a um you know was this kind of a happy accident that they looked at and said you know what we can do with but I'm going to be honest with you. It kind of ascribes to to an old booking saying, the only reason you get two people like this together is so you have one turn on the other. And if they had been planning it that far in advance to do this, then my hat is off to them. Because that's, that's some patience that they sure ain't got anymore. Yeah. And the way Savage breaks stuff down, like you could probably give him like a laser pointer and have him like be describing the Kennedy assassination tapes, and it would be that level of detail. <laughs> Like, that's how... Yeah, no kidding. Like, it, it's amazing. Like, it really... I... I, It's just like, he just, like, lays it all out. Mm-hmm. I was, like yeah. I said, I was blown away. Like, I was, like, a couple minutes... Because they're longer promos for the time. But I think I was two minutes in that first video one. I'm just like, holy shit, this is brilliant. It's, it's, it's really good. And I think it, most of his pro- promos are, but this is like this is probably some of the best stuff he's ever done. You know, I can't argue that it's. Yeah, it's really good. It's probably why their actual real life relationship was so contentious. <laughs> well, given some of the stories you hear about um, the way Savage was with Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little nuts. It, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. 
So then so, um, we're going to veer into something else just for a brief second, just because he played such a pivotal role and we talked about it. In um, on the 215-1989 Superstars on the Brother Love Show, Ted DiBiase unveils the Million Dollar Championship. Yes. And there is there is a part of me you know what, I, I'm not, I can't say it. I'm not going to do it. Um, it. It's it's a very good-looking gimmick belt. I would not be shocked if it was a... Um, if it was kind of the inspiration for later on with, like, the rattlesnake belt and, and stuff like that. The spinner belt, I think, took a lot of um, inspiration from this. Yeah. And can we... Can we- That's... That's what I was kind of driving at is is those custom belts. Yeah, and can we can we just talk about him for a second because he's been interspersed throughout this. I know he's a meme and everything, but Virgil is really good at his job. Oh, when he was uh, DiBiase's second. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was. Like just that. And I love. Uh-huh. Just like when DiBiase be doing those promos and Virgil's this, they're scowling like slowly, like leafing through the money, like. That was just, it was yeah. really good. And they had a really good, like, just a, they played off each other well. There was a really, a very subtle mo- moment with this reveal of the belt. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but it kind of ties into the Virgil thing. It's, uh, at one point, like, DiBiase just, like, motions with his hand, like, snaps his fingers or something. And, like, that's the signal for Virgil to now take the belt, hold it up. And then strap mm-hmm. it onto DiBiase's waist. It was like such a subtle little moment where he's like, you know, do what I want. Well, the, but it these was, guys, uh, yeah, they did a lot of really good. Uh, there's a very subtle racial. Virgil. Yeah, there's a very, there's a very, <laughs> they they weave a very subtle like racial element into their relationship that I think is um, well done. Yeah. It's um. It, you know, we can you can say as I like, oh, you know you have someone be a bodyguard. I'm going to be honest with you; it's tough to have people be uh, have people be good bodyguards. Like people people doing that gimmick, it's tough for them. Tough to have people be good at it because they'll, you know, you're supposed to pick up on those cues and you're supposed to to run with that sort of stuff. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, people that do stuff in wrestling, every, everyone's got to be good at it. But let's be honest for a second. To have people who are good at what they do in wrestling, it's, it's not easy to do. There's not an easy job on a wrestling show if if you're going to be good at it. And also, like, when he actually finally turns on DiBiase, that crowd goes ballistic. That's true. That's very true. But I just wanted to point him out because, like I said, I know he's a meme, but he is he is outstanding at his job, and and I love his like pink suit, like the sleeveless like jacket and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just his um, it- his mm-hmm. scowl, but like his um almost I don't know his apathy to everything. His detachment, have, yeah. like ap- yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. That's it's it, it's very fitting. It's good. 
Uh, can I just say, uh, just as an aside about the million dollar title, when I was a kid, I like loved the title. I was kind mm-hmm. of obsessed with it. Uh, and when I would play like wrestling, and I I would do it, I didn't have like a lot of the wrestling toys, so I had to use like my GI Joes. Yeah. Um, but when I was uh, using my GI Joes as like a wrestling federation, I had like my own wrestling company. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I like I made air quotes the million dollar belt and i had that as one of my like main titles nice. <laughs> it was like a secondary title but it was like a main title because i was obsessed with it i thought it was like awesome only three holders of the million dollar title ever mm-hmm. who's the third steve austin oh that's right because ted okay. dibiase was his like manager for a bit and he had the belt yeah and he, and he was yeah. doing the cobra clutch yeah, now, now I'm with you now. All, all you had to do was say was Austin. I'm like, oh yeah, Ringmaster, duh. So then but uh, we get we get a Hulk Hogan promo. I actually thought this was pretty strong for a Hogan promo. It was a little more real with less of the cartoony stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we get a what I think next is an absolutely fabulous segment from the Saturday Night's main event from a couple weeks before Mania. They bring Liz out to say whose corner she's going to be in. Yeah. And um, she pretty much says, I'm going to just be neutral. And this brings Hogan and Savage out to argue about it. Right. And I thought this was a really great segment. I thought Liz played this uh, perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. She really milked this very well she's kind of an unsung like caught like unsung hero of this angle throughout i was just saying that her acting skills weren't great (laughs) overall but she did make it work yeah yeah i was gonna say it's it's she's more pivotal to this than i think a lot of people um remember yeah so and well let's be honest it's also like all of this stuff, I don't know how at the time easier or hard it would have been to to find all of this, get all this stuff together. Yeah, you know, to to watch all of it because there's there's a lot of content here. No, I spent. I mean, it took me. Sometimes it was easy, but some of this stuff, like I had to go digging for. Yeah, And, like, sometimes you realize, like, when you find a segment that you need to go find a different segment. And sometimes you can't find it. And sometimes you happen to catch something, like, by the recommend, like, when you're looking at something. It, doing it this way, especially, like, especially with these old shows, like, they're not well documented for promos. So you don't quite know because they don't always have guys doing promos every week. And a lot of it's like rehashed promos, so it's it's not easy with this older stuff. Yeah. And then that led into it. Here it comes. Welcome to WrestleMania Five. Now, before we get to the match, I have to say that Trump Plaza is probably one of my favorite WrestleMania venues of all time. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even think about it. They did four and five at, at Trump Plaza. Yeah, I knew they had done that, but I, I didn't I didn't look at it and think about that as, as part of this so for 
whatever. It's for me a, for a venue to stand out. I don't know. It it's got to be like really a like um. Well, you know, at the garden, the way they had the entrance set up, kind of stuff, where it it wasn't a big entryway. It was just the one thing right there. You know, the the uh, the rumble that one year, the Cactus Triple H Street Fight. You know that entryway, or the old Boston, very very different, or the old Boston Garden shows where you can see like the basketball court, mm. or my favorite, yes, or my favorite of all time the the venue that WCW did the spring break shows on. Yeah, the nightclub. Yeah, and someone would always end up in the pool. Yeah, I, you know what? I really liked that. I really enjoyed that uh, that setup as a as a once a year. Spring Break show. I really liked that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go find one of those nitros and watch it now. Um, yeah, I'd be down. Yeah, it would. I really now. I did hear a shoot interview not long ago. No, it was no, it was it was long ago. But it was Bull Payne talking about um, doing a show, opening one of those nitros, and he was opening it with Van Hammer, who had just broken away from the flock. And they did this big meeting before everyone like, don't throw anybody in the pool. That's that's Mysterio and Flair's spot at the end of the night. Don't do it. And Bull Payne's like, yeah, don't, screw that. Nobody wants to go in the pool. It ruins your gear. You know, you got to go. All this stuff, you know, getting changed in the back. You got all these extra steps. Screw the pool. Don't want to do that. And Van Hammer immediately starts trying to throw him in, like at the beginning of the match. And when Bull Payne won't do it, Van Hammer, he was using kind of a. Um, his finish was it was it was kind of a spine buster, but he took him back over his shoulder and then torqued him forward, kind of thing, kind of like an Alabama slammer, but not over one shoulder instead of like straddling the guy's neck, right? Yeah, and and Hammer just like spiked the the hell out of him, um, you know, because because Paul Payne wouldn't let him throw him in the pool. Sorry, Side, sidebar. WrestleMania five. I was trying to make a joke about a Van Halen reunion and Van Hammer, and I just couldn't make it happen. So yeah. that's a tough one to pull off. It was almost there, but it wasn't going to be funny, and I'm just like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> so the the first thing I noted from this is Hogan came out second, which I think Jesse Ventura said. Yeah, Jesse Ventura was kind of. Um, I usually like Jesse Ventura, but he was a little annoying for this. He was in full anti-Hogan mode. Yeah. He really fell in love with that pukamania thing, and I was just like, it wasn't funny the first time Jesse stopped using it. Yeah. Yeah. He was very, very anti-Hogan here in this match. He was almost like Bobby the Brain-esque in that regard. And that's not what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be a heel, but he's kind of supposed to be a little more... Subtle about yeah. it. Yeah. And more logical. That's one of the beauties about Jesse's commentary is that usually he'll point out when the the face is doing something kind of underhanded and like basically throwing it back at them that they're being hypocrites. But, but if you, he was kind of just more of like straight up anti-Hogan here. And even like the... Um, when you watched like the Survivor Series 88 match, I thought he was really good on that because he and Jesse were like pointing out like, hey, they need to stop celebrating because every time someone stops and celebrates pinning someone, they get blindsided. And that was like a face 
regardless of face or heel. But yeah, he he was annoying me on this one. See the thing with um, the thing with uh, Heenan is at least Heenan was generally kind of funny about it, and that takes some of the frustration out. Yeah. So this was actually, I thought, a really good match. Miss Elizabeth, um, Miss Elizabeth, kind of stops them from doing things at certain points. Like she saves both guys a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then Savage kind of forcefully ejects her from ringside. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a nice touch that Hogan bladed in this one. Yeah, I forgot about that. I thought he did. I thought he bled more, though. But there is a cool moment at the end, just jumping ahead, when he does his, like, Hogan, like, head, um, you know, kind of where he, like, does the head bang to the three count when he gets the pin. Like, you saw blood, like, splash on the mat as he's doing it. <laughs> Yeah. But I thought this was really good for a WWF match, and I thought this was one of Hogan's better matches. Oh, it absolutely was. Yeah. It's one of his best matches, I think, in the WWE. I would agree with that. I'd say top five, probably. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably rate it top five. I don't know. I'd agree with that. I would have to watch them back-to-back, because... I don't know if I prefer this or his match with Warrior as far as, like, his Mania main events go. Well, given that it's a match with Savage, that means it was all laid out ahead of time. And the story on the match with Warrior is it was one they actually rehearsed a number of times. That that Warrior, the Hogan-Warrior match is just absurdly good considering, like... Considering Warrior? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, ironically, I, Warrior is the weak link in that. Yeah. I mean, Hogan Hogan doesn't get enough credit. Hogan is a good worker. Yeah, that's the thing about Hogan is that he was kind of old school in that he did only as much as he needed to. And he, yeah. because he was so big, he didn't really need to do much. But Hogan, Hogan was a much better worker than people give him credit for. I mean, he's not like, he's not a Bret Hart. He's not a Ric Flair. No. But he definitely could go out there and work and definitely get you involved in the match, engage in the match. And he could do a lot more than he necessarily did. He did bust it out occasionally for these big matches. And when he was in Japan, we've mentioned that before. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, thing I was going to say is after Hogan being in the U S and working the Hulk Hogan style that we're familiar with, I can't help but wonder if his skills as a worker in terms of all the other stuff kind of atrophied a bit because it does not does not seem like he is quite the same as he was in later matches like you watch wcw matches and it's it's it, it not it's not quite the same as what he used to be able to do you know i think i think his stuff i think with his size and stuff he was probably starting to have like knee problems and all that yeah, probably. I I could I could yeah I I could buy that. And I also liked here that Hogan did bust out some of his like Japan moves. Like he busted out the um, like the go behind like toe you know drop toe hold thing that mm-hmm. he does. Like I I really like some of that. And he kind of tried to mat work Savage a bit. And um, Savage pretty much just tries to kill him (laughs) yeah 
Savage has, you know, his name's appropriate. Just from the way he walked and the way he would move, it was, like you guys said, he's kind of like a caged animal. He just just very intense in the way he, he moved and that sort of stuff. And, oh, and, it's, and Savage busted out the, um, the double axe handle off the top rope to the floor, which he wasn't doing a lot at this point. <laughs> I can't say I blame him. Like he, so like they, they both were busting out like their, their big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this had that nice, like, um, I feel like championship matches should have a like slower pace to them. Mm-hmm. And it felt like this had like that slower kind of slower pace to it. Mm-hmm. Those are those are nice for being very intentional. Um because you don't you don't have to, you know, have your, your foot all the way to the floor and go, 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 go. You know, to to slow it down and be a little more intentional is is good. You know, it, it gives the crowd more time to, to be invested, but you don't let it lay there so long they get bored. Yeah. And this this crowd was interesting because the crowd seemed to just love this match. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a big deal. It's the, the two biggest names in the company going at each other, right? Yeah. And so Hogan wins the belt, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um... So that is the end of Randy Savage, the WWF champion. And that is actually where we're going to stop for this um, episode because there is stuff after this we're going to get into for our final part, which is part four. But this yeah. is this is like the implosion part. So with with the meat of the program laid bare, what did you guys think of the breakup and lead into and WrestleMania match? Awesome. Yeah, it's very well done. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of the best storylines, kind of comprehensively, that they've ever done. It, what amazed me is, I I don't always do this, but I watch some of this stuff twice just because of like how how thick the storytelling was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just there's so like like I said there's. There is, like, just facial cues to things, like, just things that, like, Savage or Hogan, just a look they do, or, you know, as Matt says, he got a little too handsy with Liz (laughs) at Survivor Series. You know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's very, yeah, very, very good. And so before we end this show, so let's, let's go around the table who was right in this situation, Hogan or Savage? Matt, why don't we start with you? <laughs> I'm on board with Savage. I think Savage is correct. Hogan was jealous. He had lustful eyes. <laughs> I'm throwing my weight uh, behind Savage. Okay. We are... Um, the 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 answer I will give on this, I'm going to go ahead and do mine, Brad, since you're throwing it out there, but I agree with savage to a point in that it's yeah hogan ought not have been doing what hogan was doing but then savage ended up taking it too far so i could even contend that this was the original shades of gray angle even though we had a defined face heel dynamic going and for hogan to try and deny the way he did is 
just he's either playing very dumb or terrifically naive in kayfabe for it yeah i think i I think i'm with with shad on this i think i think hogan's biggest crime to me was the royal rumble elimination i think that's where he was truly in the wrong and savage is saying a lot of stuff to justify his anger at that after Mm -hmm. the fact so i'm kind of in the middle on it I think I think Savage does have a lot of points though about it. Savage is right, but I more right than Hogan is, but I can't back him because he took it too far. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. So, all right. Well, that's been that's been the meat of the. Uh, we'll we'll be going into the next episode for some cleanup and then some some listener responses. But that's been the, the meat of the Nick powers explode yeah dig it so um hit us up on social media let us know what you think we'll try and get you added in on that last episode this is uh shad here with matt and brad we've been in three quarters you're in the fourth let us know what you think oh yeah